Before we begin this actual guided experience, I encourage you to take a few deep breaths now. If, it, if it's helpful, you can follow my breath. Just do this three times, breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. One more time, breathing in and breathing out. While you try to maintain that slow pace of breath, let yourself be here right now. Let yourself settle in, engage, open your heart, still your body, and engage your imagination as we as we go on this Good Friday journey, as we remember the experience of Christ on the cross together, and as we allow that experience to open our hearts to God in a fresh way right now. Let's begin. It is dangerous to worship Jesus's journey from a distance without walking Jesus's journey closely. It's like sometimes people only want Jesus because he promises them heaven, when what Christ wants is to walk with us through hell. Too many Christians and too many people want to skip over Good Friday and go straight to Easter. We want to avoid the cross and move directly into resurrection. But that's not how the story works, because that's not how life works. By remembering the passion and suffering of Christ, we have a chance to face our own suffering and to discover this Christ within us. This is us right now asking, what does it look like to follow Jesus to the crisis of the cross during our own crisis? Maybe we'll discover that God's suffering and our suffering are more connected than we realize because all suffering happens within God. Maybe through the stories of Jesus's words on the cross, of Paul looking back to Jesus's experience on the cross, maybe as we see how Jesus was confronted by overwhelming pain, we might recognize that since Christ could face all of this, since he felt all this, and since he broke through to the other side of all of this to show us the way, that he might give us the power to do the same in our own lives. So now what I'm going to do is, I'm going to read a scripture. I'm going to talk about it briefly. I'm gonna tell a couple stories and then I'm gonna give you a couple questions for reflection. Mark 15, 34, Jesus on the cross cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cross is God's way of saying, I know how it feels. 
God's absolute solidarity with suffering and struggle is displayed by Christ on the cross. Jesus is suffering to the point where he cries out to the Father while feeling completely crushed, abandoned, and overwhelmed. The cross means we can never scream at God and say, you don't know what it's like, ever. Because that primal scream of Christ on the cross is his way of saying, I do know what it's like. See, here's the thing. Knowing someone has been where you have been, felt what you have felt, seen what you have seen, and is still more alive than ever changes everything. No matter what you're feeling right now during this crisis, during the past year of this pandemic, in your personal life, in your professional life, in your relational life, no matter how, no matter what unbearable things that are present in your life, Jesus has felt the weight of those things and is with you. You know, there are so many things that happen in our life that make it easy to get angry and bitter. Are you aware of that by this point in your life? You know, even for Christine and I over the years, like clergy people, pastors, rabbis, imams, priests, guides, religious leaders are not exempt from the reality of things happening in our lives that can make it easy to shut down. Here's a couple examples of this. You know, there have been multiple couples who Christine and I have known who have been a part of Imagine, who we've spent time with, who we've poured our lives into, and who we journey closely with leading up to their wedding, like doing premarital counseling, sitting with them in hard spaces, getting them as prepared as possible for the long marathon of marriage. And then we go to the wedding and we celebrate them and we, you know, shed a tear over watching them come together as a married couple. And then after that journey, almost completely disappear from our lives. Never come around, imagine again. Don't really see them unless we just mostly randomly run into each other. And that's happened multiple times. Imagine how that feels to be close to someone, to pour your life into them, to help them get ready for marriage, to go to their wedding and to just have them virtually disappear. Like, okay, we got what we needed. Thank you for your service, even without saying thank you. And they're just gone. I remember early on in Imagine hearing a guy who came to, who visited Imagine once when it was in our old house. And, you know, soon later I hear from his girlfriend that his primary experience of Imagine when he came to visit was, you know, whatever Kevin says in there is just inspirational fluff. (laughs) Oh, so... That thing that I spend 10 hours a week on (laughs) to try to guide people, provide some sort of light for the path, healing 
for the wounds, inspiration for the parts of us that are struggling, like the the possibility, the thing I give to try to help possibly wake people up to more joy, peace, God, etc. Oh, that thing is dismissed as inspirational fluff. Think about if you were doing the thing you cared about the most, you poured your life into, and someone just dismisses it with a five-word statement. I remember there was a young man I cared deeply about early on in Imagine who, once we started to get close, you know, our relationship started to change drastically and he started to have moments of, you know, anger towards me, moments where I could feel him sort of the love we had for each other started to turn into like a hate towards me to the point where it finally escalated where I was genuinely concerned that he was going to attack me and try to fight me in the last conversation that we had. And I could look at that and say all I did was try to love this young man the way I wished people loved me when I was his age. And what do I get from that? An escalating relationship filled with sort of seething anger beneath the surface that results in him berating me in front of my house to the point where I think he might attack me. You know, and then you just have people coming in and out of your life over and over, just constant loss built into your life. Here's why I say this. There have been so many things that have happened in my life where in the moment it feels, I feel so, it's so easy to feel alone and to think no one else understands this. No one else gets this. No one else has to experience this. Even where something within me wants to scream at heaven and say, God, you don't even know what this is like. Why would you call me to this? Why would you create this kind of a life where I'm experiencing this? You don't know what this is like. But then Christ on the cross, as I remember that story, and as I see the God who is present in Jesus, God just keeps saying, no, I know how it feels. You don't know what it's like to love someone and have them just be angry at you. No, I know how it feels. You don't know what it's like to really care about something, to have someone just completely write it off. And Jesus is saying from the cross, I know how it feels. That the, the cross is the ultimate act of solidarity of God saying everything you've experienced, you felt crushed, abandoned, forgotten, overdone, pushed to the edge. And every time you're there and a part of you wants to shut down because you feel alone in that place, I know how it feels and I'm with you. So here's the first question for reflection. You can take two to three minutes with this question as the music plays. Is there any form of hurt or disappointment you are carrying around still that you feel like nobody else could understand or no one else has experienced? Just sit with that for a few minutes and reflect on that. Is there any form of hurt or disappointment that something within you wants to cry out saying no one could ever know what this is like? or you feel no one else has experienced. So let's take a two to three minutes to sit with that before we move on. 
See, after sitting with that, here's a reminder. The cross is God's way of saying, I know how it feels. So right now, would you trust that? Would you receive that? And would you know that through Christ's suffering on the cross, God is with you right now in that place of hurt, carrying that hurt with you, holding you saying, I know how it feels. So let's just take one minute to sit with that before we move to the next section. Here's the second part. Colossians 2.15, Paul writes, talking about Jesus on the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The writer of Colossians says that on the cross, Jesus made a public spectacle, spectacle, meaning he exposes, he reveals as powerless any form of power and authority that wants to control your life and dominate you. The cross is Jesus feeling the full weight of sin and suffering and evil and taking it all into him and absorbing it, breaking through it, and robbing it of all of its power. Jesus didn't just die for your sins as an individual. Jesus died for the collective sin of humanity and the collective suffering of humanity, the collective pain of humanity, and the collective death of life. The great mystery and power of the cross is Christ taking all of that into him, absorbing it all, letting it die with him so that it no longer has to live with you. The power of God overcame the power of all evil on the cross. The power of sin, of pain, and death no longer have the power to control you. Sin has an expiration date. Evil has an expiration date. Shame has an expiration date. Anger and rage have an expiration date. Pain has an expiration date. Even death itself has an expiration date because all of those things have been overcome by Christ on the cross. Now I want to read this story. When we talk about the breaking of power, I want to read this story of forgiveness It's from Mirabai Starr's book called Wild Mercy. She writes, One of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in a lifetime overflowing with powerful experiences was sitting in a restorative justice circle. I was there in the capacity of grief counselor to a woman whose 16-year-old daughter had been run over by her boyfriend following a fight. They were in the parking lot of a motel where they had been partying. When the young man entered the room where the session was to take place, his hands cuffed and his feet shackled, he did not make eye contact with anyone gathered there, including his own parents. Even after he was seated, he did not look up. Each person spoke of the ways they were impacted by the event, and at first his face was like stone. But little by little, I saw his body language begin to register what was happening around him. 
As the girl's basketball buddies spoke and cried, he flinched. His girlfriend's sister, who was pregnant, wept when she expressed that her dead sister would never get to be an auntie or a mom herself. Her stepfather spoke of his helplessness in the face of his wife's grief. When the mother spoke, she did not cry. She did not hurl hateful accusations. She quietly shared the texture of her days, sleepless nights, tortured dreams, waking to remember all over again that her beautiful feisty daughter was gone. Then, to the amazement of everyone present, She shifted her focus from her pain to her daughter's boyfriend. She acknowledged that not only had she lost a child, but that he had lost his girlfriend. She told him that she holds him in prayer and that she might even like to visit him in prison to see how he's doing. She hoped this tragedy would inspire him to return to his community and teach boys about nonviolence. As this mighty mama shared her heart, I watched the young man's eyes fill with tears. Soon he was openly weeping, and then we were all crying. Her family, his family, the district attorney, and the assistant assistant DA, and me. After everyone had a chance to share how this incident had affected them, a blanket of collective exhaustion laced with tranquility fell over our group and rendered us momentarily mute. The facilitator skillfully allowed us to sit in the sacred hush for a few minutes before closing the circle. And then the girl's mom asked if she could hug her daughter's boyfriend. The guards consented. As if in the presence of the Madonna herself, we all made way for her as she crossed the room to where where stood the person responsible for her child's death, who was suddenly looking very much like a little boy. She took him into her arms and began whispering in his ear while stroking his shaved head. His shoulders were trembling, heaving. They stayed that way, pressed together for a long time. There he was led away, but then he was led away back to jail. His sentencing followed later that week, taking into account the transformational fruits of our restorative justice process. The fabric of the community had been carefully and collectively rewoven. Not a single one of us would ever be the same. On the cross, Jesus breaks the power of death and sin and any form of evil from ever having to rule over our lives. With every legitimate reason on the planet to stay angry, to shut down, to give up, and to be filled with hate forever, this amazing woman does the impossible and forgives and shows compassion and pours out love on the boy who was responsible for her daughter's death. If we hold our hurt, if we hold our mistakes, if we hold our shame, if we hold our suffering close enough to truly be able to hand it over to the power and love of Christ, its power over us can be broken. See, Jesus on the cross feels the full weight of sin, suffering, and evil, takes it all into him, absorbs it, breaks through it, robs it of all of its power, and shows how he can do the same for us. So here's our question for reflection. 
What are you holding right now that feels impossible to let go of, to overcome, or to ever be free from? What are you holding right now that feels impossible to let go, to overcome, or to ever be free from? So take a few minutes to sit with that. As we return, would you know that Christ can break the power of any of those things over you? God's presence is more powerful than that pain. God's love is stronger than that hurt. Jesus will outlast that form of death. So on Good Friday today, would you trust him with that? Can you keep your heart open and let him in? So let's take another minute to sit with that, to hold that open-hearted space, and to allow Christ in further to those spaces where he can break the power of any form of sin, death, suffering, shame that is still within us. For this last section, I want to end by saying this. The cross is God showing us the way, living out the way, and inviting us on the way. Hebrews 12.2 says that Christ is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He already walked that path and perfected that path and then invites us to trust the same path. Will you trust that separation is not more powerful than connection? Will you trust that even in death, life still remains? Will you trust that the pain that you know in your life and in this world is not more powerful than love? 
Will you trust that the shame that keeps you hidden is not more powerful than the embrace of God and does not have to control you forever? Will you trust that when it feels like death, when you've come to the end, and when it looks like it's all over, it might just mean that your real life in Christ has just begun? You know, some closing thoughts from my own life. You know, looking back, I realize coming into my late 20s and early 30s when Christine and I moved back to Hawaii and started Imagine and I started teaching and, you know, she was beginning her work as a clinical therapist. The two greatest fears I always carried so deeply within my life were failing publicly and disappointing people close to me. See, when you do something publicly, you might fail and everybody might know. And when you pastor and do the kinds of things that I do, there's also the, the fear of if I let people close enough, I might disappoint them. See, even though Imagine was born and grew and is still thriving seven years later, to some degree, every one of the fears I brought into this experience of starting and leading a church has come into being. I have disappointed people close to me that I care about. I have failed at certain elements of leading. I have seen many people I brought in close, cared about, and guided with all my heart walk away from the church and from me. There have been many instances where I have reflected on the state of the church and wondered if the people who knew us best would be disappointed by how we were doing or what we created. And do you know what happened each time one of my greatest fears came true and materialized? Nothing. Nothing happened. I didn't disintegrate or spontaneously combust. The universe did not suddenly implode. Nothing happened. Each time it was painful and I sat with it and I faced it and I brought it in close and I shed some tears as I felt it, but I released it and then nothing happened. It wasn't the end like I feared, it was just painful. It didn't take away anything from me, it was just a temporary form of failure. It had no power to threaten any part of my inherent value in Christ. It was just challenging and a struggle and a painful form of loss. When Jesus shows his wounds and yet is still alive, when he shows his scars but has experienced resurrection, he reveals that what the story actually is. You can be wounded and resurrected. You can be broken and still be put back together. You can be scarred and still be saved. That is the mystery and power of the cross. Jesus takes everything into him and allows it to die with him. Nothing separates you from God. Nothing that you've done makes you unworthy of love. Nothing that you've experienced or that you've done disqualifies you from the fullness of your life in Christ and from the lavish love of the infinite God that is pouring itself into you at all times. None of this pain stays with you forever. None of this suffering has to define you forever. None of the sin in the world that keeps you feeling separate or isolated or alone has to have power over you forever. Remember what I said, pain has an expiration date. 
Suffering has an expiration date. Shame has an expiration date. Judgment has an expiration date. Loneliness and isolation, even death itself, has an expiration date. But the power of Christ lasts forever. Love lasts forever. Life with God lasts forever. So as we conclude this Good Friday contemplative experience together, here's what this means. All you have to do is surrender whatever you are carrying to God. Giving your life to God and saying yes to Jesus is about you saying yes to the God who says, I can take all of that. Let it die with me. It's knowing that the power of sin and death no longer defines you and have power over you. It's about saying yes to love, saying yes to joy, saying yes to freedom, saying yes to grace, saying yes to connection, saying yes to salvation, and saying yes to eternal life. The good news of Jesus means all you have to do is entrust your past, your future, and your life to God. Because the cross is God's way of saying, I know how it feels. I can break the power of anything that wants to control your life. And I'm showing you the way on the cross and making a way for you to carry the crosses in your own life and experience resurrection on the other side of them. 